And we're going to talk about today just having negative thoughts. Um, if you are a negative person, I'm going to tell you very honestly that people love you if you are related to them or married, if they're married to you or if they're friends with you, they love you. But if you're a negative person, they really don't like hanging out with you. They don't like talking to you much. They don't go to you for advice because you're a negative person. And every one of us, we have this circle of friends that we know that there's someone in that circle that we know is the negative one out the bunch, the one that we don't want to say the word Trump or the whole thing's just going to go south. We don't want to say the word Obama or it's going to cause a big fight. We don't want to talk about our boss because, man, if we say anything about work, when they start talking about their boss and their work, it's all negative. The atmosphere of the room goes down because of this one person in your circle of friends. We have someone like that in our family. Whenever we get together on Thanksgiving or Christmas, there's that one relative you just try to avoid saying anything. You could get a raise and they'll tell you, well, you're going to be paying more taxes. You could win the lottery and they'll complain about the taxes you have to pay for that. There's always something to... Now, if you don't know who the negative person is in your circle and you don't know who it is in your family and you're thinking, well, who could that be? There's a good chance (laughs) that it might be you. (laughs) No, it couldn't be me. If the person next to you's face is red, there's a good chance it's you and they don't want to say anything to you. But anyway, just kidding. Um, So anyway, um, here's the thing about negativity. God is not a negative God. God is a positive God. God always flows in the direction future focus. He's a positive God. Even when we make mistakes, he's a about getting up and what have you learned from it. God is a positive God. So when we have thoughts that are negative, when we have actions or words that are negative, we're going against the flow of the Holy Spirit. I know this doesn't sound like an incredibly spiritual sermon, but God cares about our attitudes. And your attitude can determine the atmosphere in the room as soon as you walk in. Believe me, as soon as you walk into that music practice or that office or as soon as you go into the dugout of that sports team or as soon as you gather around with your friends, you can change change the atmosphere of the room simply by your attitude being positive or negative. It says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your minds and keep them set on the positive things. One translation says the higher things. I read where it takes longer from us to fly from here to California as it does from California to here. Same distance, but you can get here quicker flying from California than you can flying from here to there. It's because of this massive airflow called the jet stream. The jet stream flows. It's a wind that constantly blows across the United States from west to east. So if you're in California and you fly to South Carolina, there's not much turbulence. You get there quicker. It's a more peaceful ride. But when you fly from here to California because you're going against that massive flow of air, it's a rougher ride and it takes longer. Same thing is true with God. If the Holy Spirit is always flowing in one direction of being positive, a future focus of the problem solving and not the problem, if the Holy Spirit's always going in one direction and then you by your thought life or your actions or your words are in a negative or going the opposite direction, it's like you are in disagreement with God. And if there's anybody you don't want to be in disagreement with, it is God. We want to get on that Holy Spirit jet flow that's always taking us in the same direction that God is going in. In the Old Testament, Nehemiah had a dream to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. God gave him this dream. It was a task put in his heart. He was going to head up this massive event. It was a huge thing that everyone wanted to happen. But it was probably going to take years and years to do because of the manpower needed and the money needed. And there was all kind of negative problems that came against Nehemiah. The enemy threw every negative circumstance you could think 
think of against him. He threw financial negativity against him. He threw the government. They wouldn't give him the permits he needed, so to speak, to build this wall of Jerusalem. Uh, He had people calling him names, literally, like, you know, your mama jokes and stuff like that. Like, they were literally saying things like that about, like, a fox couldn't knock down your wall that San Balanta, but they would say that, like, you know, I've just burned, you burn, you know, whatever. They just, they would say all kind of stuff against him. Everything came against him negatively. In fact, over and over in the book of Nehemiah, people would say, Nehemiah, how do you expect to accomplish this? How are you going to complete this dream? How are you going to do this thing God's telling you to do? And over and over and over again in the book of Nehemiah, he said the exact same phrase. In Nehemiah 2.8, it starts. He would simply look at them and say, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this, but I can tell you this. The generous hand of God is always upon me. And sometimes in life, we don't have an answer to the questions that are asked us. We don't have an answer to the problems that, 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 that bombard our mind. But one thing we can always respond positively with is this. I know that the generous hand of God is upon me. I may not know how it can happen. I may not be able to see an answer right now. But I know the generous hand of God is upon me. In other words, Nehemiah knew it is better to answer positively than with all the problems and all the negative things I'm going through. If some people ask you guys, hey, how was your week, instead of going through all the things God did do for you, you list all the problems that happened. All the negative things that took place. If somebody said to you, how was work today? You'd go through all the massive problems you went through and this person treated you wrong and this person talked about you. But we got to learn to do like Nehemiah and say, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know this, that generous hand of God is upon me. Let me give you a a little statement I heard that kind of goes along with this. As you wander through life, wherever you go, keep your eye on the donut and not the whole. It's very easy for us to stay focused on the whole. What we don't have, what there isn't for us, how it's not going to work out. But we are commanded by God to keep our minds set on the positive things. I know we're big on the Ten Commandments, not kill, don't steal, da, da, da. But this is a commandment to keep your mindset. He didn't say think about doing it. He didn't say maybe you can do it when you get mature enough. He said to keep your mind set on the positive things. Now, here's some application for today. One way that we can be a positive person in life is this, to be a problem solver. It's okay to present a problem, but never present a problem without bringing three solutions to the table. Your boss does not want to hear all the problems that happened at work that day at your desk or what you're going through without hearing some solutions to go along with it. Your spouse does not want to hear about all the problems that are going on in the relationship and what they did wrong and how the kids didn't do right. Your spouse wants to hear the problem and hear some solutions to go along with it. My children can tell me the problems. My children can walk into a room and say, Dad, there's something wrong here, something wrong there. A child can do that, but it takes a positive person to always bring solutions. I don't want you to come to me and say, John Paul, there's a fire in the building and then just be done. I want you to say there's a fire in the building. I've already gotten the people out of the building. I've called the insurance company. The fire truck's on their way. There's a problem, but here's the solutions to go along with it. If you want uh, to be rewarded at work, if you want to be promoted at work, let me tell you, always bring your boss solutions to every single problem. Whenever you come home from work or when your spouse comes home from work, they don't want to hear the dishwasher broke, little Billy got in a fight, uh, you didn't deposit your check, I couldn't get groceries. They don't want to be greeted that way. They want to hear problems with solutions all the time. Proverbs 21:19 says, this is the most, this, I was going to say this for Mother's Day, but anyway, it's better to live in a tent in the desert than with a nagging and fretful 
woman, or man, I'm going to add man to the scripture just so I don't get a lot of nasty emails this week. <laughs> I heard about this, um, this Native American Indian, and he named his wife Four Horse. And his friend said, why you name your wife Four Horse? He said, my wife named Four Horse because she nag, 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 nag. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, um, when I think about being positive, I think about one of our youth leaders, Erica. She's not here today, but Erica and Dan are the greatest youth leaders we could ever have for our teenagers. If you have teenagers, please bring them here. They love them, love them, love them. But Erica always brings solutions to every single problem. I mean, she can tell me a problem that I wouldn't even think of and then come up with three solutions I would have never thought of on my own. Erica is a very positive woman. In fact, um, even, even when in her greetings, she's always greeting people. Uh, she greets them by their name. She always says please and thank you. She's very, very respectful. The thing about Erica is her and I have the same personality. And our personality is natural. Uh, we're natural leaders. We're natural doers. Get her done. We're drivers. We're determined. And um, it's easy for us to go into a room and see everything that needs to be fixed. It's, our pers- it's a leadership personality. You come in the room and you can immediately tell this light bulb's out. This needs to be fixed. This microphone's not working on and on. And Erica does that, but she always brings positive solutions. It, it, it's a, it's, um, she's actually stretched me a little bit with her um, always saying please and thank you. And she reminds me a positive greeting goes a long way. Whenever your kids or your spouse comes home from work, man, even when you go into your circle of friends, you're going to Bible study, you're going to music practice, when you walk in, you should have the, the room should light up whenever you go in there. You should call people by their, by their name and let your voice tone go up a little bit. Hey, it's good to see you. Even with your kids, get some superhero name for them. They always remember. Call them by that name. Do something that lets people know, I'm in this room and I'm in a good mood and I'm positive. There's a scripture, it's not up there, but in Job, it talks about how your mood can set the stage for everyone else around you. I'm mad. Somebody asked me one time in their marriage, they said, whenever a spouse repeats themselves over and over, is that considered negative nagging? Whenever they say, you know, are you ever going to do the dishwasher? Are you going to fix this over and over again? Here's a scripture, Proverbs 27, 15, a nagging wife or husband, or husband, is like the continual dripping of a leaky faucet. In our relationships, God wants us to have fun and enjoy each other. And if you focus on everything that's wrong in that relationship and what you don't like, I can promise you, you could bring somebody else into that relationship and they will find all the positive things and talk about all the positive things. We got to be very, very careful to realize that people want to be around us when we're positive. They want to be around us when we're having fun. Nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer. I don't know if you ever saw this SNL clip of the Debbie Downer that like she gets tickets to Disney World and she says, well, it's going to be too hot. Or she wins the lottery and says, oh, I got to pay taxes on it. Or someone gives her a car and says, well, I don't know how to drive. There's always something negative coming out of her mouth. What about this husband and wife? The husband asked the wife to make some breakfast. She, uh, he said, I want you to make me two eggs, one fried and one scrambled. So she went and made the breakfast and she even brought it to him on a tray in the living room while he's sitting there watching a golf game and he shook his head back and forth. She says, what is it? I did just what you said. I made you two eggs, one fried, one scrambled. He shook his head and said, I should have known it. You fried the wrong egg. In life, there are people, no matter how hard you try, they're going to be negative. 
Don't let that rub off on you. Don't let that ruin your mood or your good time. You stay positive. You stay smiling. You stay cheerful. And whether they change or not, your life will be much better. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says that love is kind. One translation says this, love is never negative. We even approach things in a negative way. We'll go to our boss and say, uh, you're not going to give me a raise this year, are you? We'll go to our spouse and say, are you ever going to fix that, you know, leaky faucet? We'll go to our friends and say, you don't want to hang out with me today, do you? You don't want to come over to my house, do you? Even from that negative standpoint, we're not going to get the responses we want to get. I um, heard about this army soldier. He was, uh, his job was in the mess hall. And his position in the mess hall was to offer fruit, bowls of fruit, to the people at the end of the line, to all the soldiers. And today's fruit was prunes. And so the first hundred soldiers that came through the line, when they got to the end, he said, you don't want a bowl of prunes, do you? And 90% rejected and 10% said yes. The second hundred soldiers that came through the line, he said to them, he said, would you like a bowl of prunes? This time, 50% said yes, 50% said no. The third and final hundred soldiers that came through the line, he said, would you like one bowl of prunes or two bowls of prunes? This time, 50% said one bowl, 40% said two bowls, and only 10% declined. Simply by changing his question from the, from the negative to the positive, he went from 90% declining to 90% accepting. Let me ask y'all a question. Would y'all like to sponsor one song on the CD or three songs on the CD? You know, y'all choose. <laughs> uh, Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever is lovely, whatever is whole, if there's anything, everybody say anything, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Let me tell you what the scripture says. This scripture says if you go, if you see a lady and she's at church, you don't like her outfit or her hair or whatever, and you're about to go back to your husband and say, can you believe she wore that to church and whatever. The Bible's saying if there's anything you like about her outfit, you may like nothing but the shoes on her feet, whatever you can find that is positive, that's what you're to think about. Whenever you go to work and your boss is treating you so bad or you don't like your job and you're determined to text somebody or email them how bad you hate work, according to the scripture, if there is whatever you can find, I mean, you may have to look whatever. You, the only thing you may find at work is the chair they give you is comfortable. That may be the only thing that's positive according to the scripture, whatever you can find. If there's 1% positive and 99% negative according to the scripture, you are to focus on the 1% that's positive. In our relationships and our friendships, the reason some of you get frustrated very easy or the, the reason you maybe get upset a lot is because you're focusing on not the whatevers. You're focusing on the things you don't like, the negative. According to the scripture, in relationships, we are to focus on whatever we can find that is positive. Let me tell you what will happen. If you'll do this, let's, let's take relationships as an example. If in your relationships you focus on whatever you can find this true, whatever you can find this lovely, whatever you can find this worthy, if you focus on that, after a week, you'll go from 1% to 20%. After another week, you'll go from 20% to 40%. After another week, you'll go from 40%. And soon after a few weeks, you'll think that person is the greatest thing in the entire world, not because they changed, but because you changed the way you were thinking. Imagine today if your mind was the gas tank of your car and every positive thought you have, it put fuel in that gas tank. 
and every negative thought you had, it was siphoning gas out of the tank. And every day we have a destination. God, part of our destiny is a daily process. Your destiny today was to come to church, and later it may be to go get groceries, and then Monday go to work. And we're called to do these things with a good attitude. We're called to be fruitful and productive. We're called to rely on Jesus. But let me tell you, some of y'all don't have enough gas in your tank to get to work tomorrow. You get in your car and you're going to go to work, but man, you're thinking about how much you don't like it and how much stress there is, and and you don't have enough gas in your tank to get to the destination God has called you to get to in life. Then you got to come home and you know, man, when I get home, I got to make dinner for kids and I'm sure there's something broken and something and I had a rough day and on and on and you don't have enough gas to get home. If you want to get to your destination, you have to flow in agreement with the Holy Spirit and the only way there's going to be gas in your tank is by thinking the right thoughts. In Numbers chapter 13, the Israelites finally made it to the promised land. They had been in slavery for 400 and something years. You know, the whole story, Charlton Heston says, let my people go, and then the bad guy lets them go, and now they're in the death. Now they're on the way, to the prom- and they get to the promised land, and they're right there next to the land of Canaan, and they're so excited. So Moses sends 12 spies. Everybody say 12. That's very important. Say 12. Okay, good. How old are you? No, you're not 12. Anyway, so he sends 12 spies in there to spy out the land for 40 days. Everybody say 40. How old is Mark? Okay, anyway, so he sends 12 spies in there to spy out the land for 40 days. And after 40 days, the 12 spies come back and 10 of them have this first scripture, Numbers 13, 30 to 31. 10 of them say this, the land flows with milk and honey, but, everybody say but. Man, the problem with Christians is their butt gets in the way. They know God's called them to do something. They know this is where I'm supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, but. There's powerful giants. We're not strong enough to attack them. And there were two more spies, Joshua and Caleb. And they said, shut up, everybody. We can take the land. We are well able to conquer it. Now, there's something very important about the scripture. There's two groups of people on this scripture right here. There's 10 and then there's two. And 10 of them focused on the problem and two of them focused on the solution. Ten of them focused on God, two of them focused on the giants. Negative people always focus on the problems and positive people always focus on the solution. And negative people lie to themselves and they say this, well the reason I'm saying this is because I'm the only one that sees it. I'm the only one that notices this and this and this about the church. I'm the only one that notices this and this and this about my, my bad old car. I got, I'm the only one that notices this and this. So I got to say, it. no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. Everyone sees the problem. We're not stupid. Everybody can see it. Twelve spies saw the same thing. They all say the exact same problem. Their eyes weren't filtered any differently. There weren't some other, the sun wasn't in one. They all saw the same exact problem. But the negative people came back and focused on the problem. The positive people came back and focused on the God. They saw the same thing. Same thing. Uh, um, when people come to me, they come to our church and they tell me about their old church. When they start saying negative things about their old pastor, the first thing I think about is this, man, if I don't get wrong with this person, if I don't get out of here, one day they're going to say negative things about me. Negative people are negative. They're negative because there's something negative in their heart. And they can have the exact, you can have a hundred people with the same job and the negative people will always be complaining and the positive people will always be grateful and thankful. Now here's my question. Who do you think these two million people that were waiting to hear the report, who do you think they listened to? 
Do you think they listen to the negative people or do you think they listen to the positive people? You know what's really interesting about this story? I love this next scripture. Verse 32, it says they brought back an evil report. Everybody say evil. Now, when I said, if I said, hey, I'm going to talk to y'all today about having evil thoughts. Every one of you would think, man, he's going to talk about murders and rapists and things. Why does the Bible refer to being negative as being evil? Here's why. If God's flowing this way and you're flowing this way, then we are opposite of God. If God is positive and you're going the opposite direction, then you're negative. If God's holy, and you're going in the opposite direction, the opposite of holy would be evil. And therefore, the Bible says that this report they brought back was an evil report. Evil report. Now, back to my question. Who do you think the two million people listen to? Here's the answer to that question. Who do you listen to? When you turn on the news... Do you get more excited about the more negative and crazy reports there are? Or do you get more excited about the good things that happen around the world? When you get on Facebook, what do you look for the most? What do you read the most, the negative or the positive? Do you know how many people there are in this world that are not in a relationship with someone that God ordained them to be in because they listen to a negative person? Do you know how many people are not in a church God wanted them to be in because they listened to a negative person? Do you know how many people are not at a job God wanted them to have because they listened to a negative person? Do you know how many people did not step out in faith and do what God called them to do because they listened to a negative person? The negative voices always scream the loudest. Numbers 14.1, the next scripture, the very next scripture is the next chapter, first verse. It says, all night long they cried and complained. We wish we had died in Egypt. They listened to the negative report. Now, The group of friends you hang out with is going to determine your future. Our future depends on which group we're in. Because negative people, they can talk you out of your dreams. They can talk you out of the things God's called you to do. And listen, let me me say, I've, I've, I've read this story a thousand times over the past 10 years, but I never realized this, what I'm about to tell you, and I'm very excited to tell you. You might not be as excited as I am, but I love it when God shows me something cool. Okay, here's what's cool. The two million people that cried and complained and never went into the promised land and went out in the desert for 40 years and died, they never saw the giants. They simply believed the negative report. They never saw it. For all they know, the negative people were exaggerating. We're lying. Who knows? They have no idea. They never saw the giants themselves. They simply believed the evil report over the positive report. They simply... If two million people were up for promotion today and God wanted to take them to a new level, you could get to that level not by being the most qualified, the smartest, or with the most experienced. You could get there simply by being the most positive. So here's a question for you. Why am I negative? People think that they are negative because they've gone through negative circumstances, but that can't be true because we've all gone through negative circumstances. Why am I negative? People think they're negative because um, they live with a negative family member, but many of us in here live lived with a negative family member. People think they're negative because they don't have money, but there's many people without money that are very, very positive. So why in the world are people negative? Here's why they're negative. They're negative because they allowed the negative things in life to get on the inside of them. It says in Matthew 12, 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, but the evil or negative man out of his evil or negative heart brings forth evil or negative things. 
things. They allowed the negative things in life to stay in them, the hurts, the pain, the guilt, the confusion, the wrong things, the way they were mistreated. They allowed those things to stay in their heart. So I'm going to tell you what to do so that that never happens to you. And whether you apply it to your life or not is totally up to you. But I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm not going to preach a 30-minute sermon. I'm just going to tell it to you and then be done. Here's how you don't allow negative things to stay inside of your heart. You praise and worship God with all of your might and all of your strength. And you don't have to know the song to be able to lift your hands. You don't have to know the tune to be able to speak the words out of your mouth. You don't have to have the music being just at a certain level and everything being perfect for you to worship God. But the more you praise and worship God, literally praise and worship God, maybe he hadn't, you say, well, he hadn't done nothing for me. Well, he saved your dirty, rotten soul. And for that enough, you should lift your hands and thank God. But even if you're not even saved yet, you can praise God for who he is. You don't have to praise him for what he's done. You can praise him for who he is. The fact that he's your banner, the fact that he's your victory, the fact that he's your peace, the fact that he's your strength. Just praise him for that. And that will allow the negative things to be filtered out of your heart and put the right things back in. Let me prove it to you with a story. Growing up, I had two, I had all four of my grandparents alive until just a few years ago, which was great. I only have one left out of the four, but all growing up, my grandma, which was my dad's mom, and my nana, which was my mom's mom, they both took care of me all growing up, practically raised me, and just great, great. I love them both. They both grew up in the Great Depression. They both went through negative circumstances. They both had tragedy happen in their life. But my grandma was always negative and my nana was always positive. And I love them the same. But I remember, I remember as a kid, I'd be riding my bike eight years old and my grandma would say, if you fall over, your brain's going to split open and you're going to be all over the concrete and you're going to die and I'm not going to be able to get you to the hospital on time and you'll be dead and there's nothing we can do about it. My nana would say, just be careful and have fun. I remember whenever um, I, first, I bought my first house when I was 20 years old, and, um, uh, and I'm, I'm almost close, I'm almost done, but 20 years old, I bought my first house, and a year later, I sold it for $25,000 more than what I bought it for. This is um, back in the year 2000. And so um, I bought the house, sold the house a year later, I had 25 grand, and I put that $25,000 from that little teeny three-bedroom house on a big five-bedroom house. And because my, um, my credit got better, and because the interest rate lowered, and because I had 25 grand, I actually had this house built and my payments were the exact same from my little teeny three-bedroom house to my five-bedroom house in one year's time my payments were the exact same so I was so excited my grandma said that's the biggest mistake you could ever make you're not going to have money to pay the electric bill my nana said I'm so glad God has blessed you with a home he's going to keep on providing just like he always has I started having children. I have five kids. And I remember as every time I had a kid, my grandma would say, I cannot believe you're having more children. That's going to ruin your life. You don't have the money to pay for them. It's so hard to be a parent. You got to stop doing that. My nana would say, honey, children are a gift from God. I can't wait to see them grow up and honor God. Same, <laughs> same age, went through the same thing. One was just as negative, one was just positive. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think I went to for advice more in my life. Who do you think I asked for prayer when I needed it the most? Who do you think that I always remembered and always called and always looked up to? The positive or the negative? Now, the same thing is true with you. If you want to be a good friend, a good dad, mom, grandma, anybody can see the problem. Focus on the solution. Proverbs 30, 32 says, if you even thought an evil thought, if you even thought an evil thought, lay your hand on your mouth. I heard about this positive and negative farmer, and they went fishing one day. And, and, and the positive farmer, every time the sun would come out, he'd lift his hand and say, Lord, thank you for providing the vitamins and minerals that my crop needs through your sun. The negative farmer would come out, and he'd say, if it keeps up like this, it's going to scorch everything, and we're going to lose it all. 
The positive farmer, whenever it would rain, the, he'd lift his hand and say, Lord, thank you for providing the water that our crop needs at no cost at all to us. The negative farmer would come outside and say, if it keeps up, it's going to flood it all and we're going to have nothing left. So one day they're out bird hunting and fishing and they're in the water and the positive farmer just bought himself a brand new miracle dog. And they're out on the boat and he shot a duck and the came thinking flying down in the lake and the positive farmer looked at the negative farmer and said, watch what my new dog can do. Sick him. The dog jumps out of the boat. It miraculously runs on top of the water just like Jesus Christ. Grabs the duck, comes back on top of the water and drops it down at the farmer's foot. That positive farmer's smiling from ear to ear and he looks at his friend and says, what do you think about that? That negative farmer said, I should have known it. You paid money for a dog that can't even swim. <laughs> Listen, which grandma are you? <laughs> which farmer are you going to be in life? Okay, last story and I'm done. Uh, 40 years after those 2 million people were in the desert, they heard the negative report, they're out in the desert now, and they, all of them died over the course of 40 years except for two. Who do you think the two are that lived past everybody else? It was Joshua and Caleb. They say in life, the most positive you are, the more positive, the longer you actually live. But Joshua and Caleb outlived all two million. Now Joshua was in charge and they're in their 80s and everyone else is in their 40s because a whole new generation was born in the desert. And they're back at the land of Canaan. They're back at the promised land. And Joshua is determined, if God gave me this in my heart, man, I'm going to have it. I'm going to see it come to fruition. So they get to the land of Canaan, and now there's this huge city, a fortress that's surrounding the promised land that God told them to have. It was called Jericho, and the Bible says in Joshua 6, 1, that Jericho was surrounded with high walls. Nobody went out, nobody came in. And so Joshua said, here's what we're going to do. We are going to march around the city six days. On the seventh day, we're going to march around it seven times. And the very end of that, we're all going to give a loud shout of praise. And we're going to watch the walls come down. Here's what I love about that part. He said, everyone's going to shout. That means if everyone in our body or our family or our group is going to go to the next level, we all got to give a shout. We can't have one person not doing their part, somebody complaining. If we're going to go to the next level, everyone involved has to give a shout. Now, if that wasn't weird enough, he added to it in verse 10, don't let a single word come out of your stinking mouth, not even a whisper, until the day that I tell you to shout. Why did Joshua say, hey, here's what we're going to do, but we're not going to say a syllable, not a phrase, not a syllable, not a cough, not a achoo, not a burp, nothing's coming out of your mouth until I tell you to shout. Here's why. Joshua, 40 years earlier, watched every one of his friends and family and loved ones in his entire church run in fear because of one man's negative mouth. And he was determined, I'm not going to see that happen again. I'm in my 80s. I lost everything I had 40 years ago. I'm not going to lose this. Everyone else gave up. Everyone else listened to the negative reports. So here's what we're going to do. This time, when we're facing these giants, we're not going to say a single word. The only thing we're going to do is we're going to shout praise to God. And so they marched around the city. And here's why I did it. I can picture if they had been allowed to speak, you know, the Debbie Downer in your group, they'd be walking walk around the city. And one of them would say, man, do you think this is going to happen? 
He said, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I think Joshua's kind of lost his mind. The sun's been so hot out here in the desert. Man, that dust is in my face. Oh, I can't even see what I'm doing. Are you in front of me? What are, are we still marching around the city? Is this day five or is it day four? Is it day six? Are we done? When are we going to shout, man, I give up and I'm done? And before they got to day seven, they'd be walking away and being done with the whole thing. They marched around. The Bible says in verse 20, on the seventh day, the seventh time around, the people gave a loud shout and the walls of Jericho fell flat. In between you and your destiny, there's a wall. On the other side of this wall, there is your miracle. There's your healing. There's your provision. There's the answer to your prayer. And I can't do this for you. But if you will get in flow with the Holy Spirit and get back on that jet stream of that positive higher thinking. And if you will learn to shut your mouth, if it is not the whatever's pure, whatever's shorter, then I can tell you when it's time and you shout, your wall is going to come falling down and you'll be so excited. You'll be thanking God. We got to learn how to praise God before the wall falls. And then when the wall falls, you can keep on praising him all you want to. It says in Ephesians 4.23, constantly put on a fresh new mental attitude. You may come across every single negativity in life. You may have everything coming against you. But if you want to get to your next destination, you got to put fuel in your tank. And if there's nothing else that you can say, positive, if you ain't got nothing good to say, the least you can say is, the generous hand of God is upon me.